0: good morning. I am someone who's been given a gift of public speaking and seldom do I use it in the right way. But it's something that over time I've grown comfortable with. And every now and again, even still, I find myself getting caught just being a little bit nervous before I get up and talk. And I didn't think I was this morning, but I've been in the back and I've ate half of that bowl of mince. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, today wasn't as planned out, or as or I'm not as confident in it as where I'm gonna be. This morning I want you to go to Acts chapter 2. While you're getting there, a couple of things that have been on uh my mind was I don't, think, I don't think that we've clearly established what a success yesterday was. And I guess let me give it to you from my perspective. Um, given the turnout that we had the last time we tried one of these, you guys remember that? It was 167 degrees outside We had blow-ups that were burning children to the second degree as they were going down these slides. And we had maybe eight people show up, and one of them was concerned that the hot dogs we were serving weren't all beef. (laughs) That's what stuck in my head when we're getting ready to do this block party, right? I'm thinking, we're not going to get anybody to come. Half of them are going to stay for five minutes because they're on probation and I'm in uniform. Um, And it's going to be a miserable turnout. That's what was in Cole Presley's head when we were getting ready to go do this yesterday afternoon. And instead, we saw a rough count of about 75 people, so probably 62-ish, given the number of our own church that was there, show up to this thing. All of our prizes were given away. People were moved by what we were able to um, provide as far as an event goes. And more importantly, from the church perspective... What I saw was everyone dug in, everyone getting everything set up, ready to go, in place, ready to be there and to serve, and then when there were curveballs that were thrown, people jumping right to it. One of those examples is we're looking out across the park, and my wife decides there's not a game there for adolescents or for teenagers. Sorry, I'm taking a juvenile justice class, so adolescents a buzzword. Um, She's like, there's, there's, there's nothing here for older kids. We need to go get the nine square game. And instantly in my head, I'm like, Ugh, one more thing we're going to bring here. Not my father in law, though. He jumps right up, grabs Mitchell, because, you know, Mitchell's going to take the opportunity to drive. Um, <laughs> they come rushing up here, and All something. Mitchell's help is to tell him he can drive. Uh huh. <laughs> but if he drives your vehicle, that's on you. <laughs> that that game instantly became the hit. And so one of the most amazing things that I saw out of that entire event was that it was our church members who came together to put something on and the biggest, most widely used resources of all of it was stuff we already had. (laughs) Stuff we already own. Now I appreciate like crazy Bodie, bringing that trailer here. That was snow cones were hit and we didn't have that. And the sound system was... But the most used thing were resources that we already possess. We didn't have to bring anything extra. We didn't have to bring anything crazy. Or we didn't have to bring anything fancy. It was a realization of just using the tools that we already have and people pay attention to it. The number of comments that were made, I've seen that in your church's yard. What is that thing? How do we do this? How does this work? From little bitty kids to trash-talking adults, all in... (laughs) All involved in this thing. Now, now, can we measure this event as a success beyond that? I want to tell you something right now. If you are hoping that those doors are going to burst open and people who were at the park last night are suddenly going to come in here again, you need to change your attitude. That's not what we're there to do. Evangelism is not about filling our church. Period. Evangelism is about showing people... God's love, what He's done in our own lives, and showing the potential of what can be done in theirs. Amen. That's it. That's it. But it requires stepping out and requires stepping in faith. Last week, we talked about why we need to evangelize. And the Bible's very clear about why we need to be about, out and about living and sharing gospel. But here's where we get hung up. In fact, I got called out on it last week after, after the service was over, was that rarely even am I seen as someone who's publicly professing faith or sharing the gospel with someone. Rarely even am I. And maybe that's a bit of the nervous energy that I have this morning is the recognition of the hypocrisy that goes along with saying one thing and not doing what it is that you're talking about. Perhaps. But we have a tendency as Christians, as believers, as Baptists to get ourselves locked into a box of here's what we do, here's what we don't do. And we've got to be willing to break free of that and live the gospel the way the gospel was intended. This isn't the Baptist gospel. This isn't the Methodist gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's given us a mission regardless of what our culture tells us otherwise. Now, on that note, it's okay to make jokes about it because even still, with the first song that we brought up, the first time Paige played that song, and that whole thing, dance, comes across the, the screen. The first time she ever did that first thing in my head was, we're Baptists, we don't do that. And <laughs> we're supposed to stand here like this and be stern and you know show our compassion this way and, 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 and not and not get right I can't help but make fun of ourselves the way that we tend to get. This morning, though... I want to talk about how, and that's not as perfectly delineated in Scripture as the why is. And I think that's on purpose, and that's just Cole Presley's thought. But before we dive into that, let's pray. Father God, this morning, as we look at uh, the mission you've given us again, Lord, of spreading the gospel, of sharing your love for each and every one of us, and Lord, as we talk about and consider how to do those things, Lord, just my prayer is that you would still our hearts that you would still our minds, that you'd put us in a position to yield to you and to no others. Finally, Lord, I just pray that this morning that these be your words and not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's something I want you to recognize that perhaps in your own mind makes this a little more difficult. There are things in an individual life that only God can do and that we have no power to affect. None. There's a cheat sheet in the back. preacher already drew these up. I'm not going to take credit for it, but it hit perfect with where I'm going, so I took it. Only God can draw people to himself. Only God can do that. We do not have the power to draw people to God. We have the power to gain their attention through action. But we cannot draw people to God. Only God does that. Only God can cause people to seek Him. We lack the power to cause people to seek out God. Only God reveals spiritual truth. We've been given the tools necessary to reveal biblical truth. But we do not have the power to reveal spiritual truth. Only God can do that. Here's a big one, Baptists. Only God convicts the world of sin. Only God does that. We do not have the power to spiritually convict someone for their actions. We clearly have the ability to call people out. But we do not have the power to convict. Only God has the power to convict the world of righteousness. And only God has the power to convict the world of judgment. If we put ourselves in a position to recognize that our job is to be an introducer. Maybe we don't get as frustrated when evangelism doesn't go the way that we think. It's very easy to become frustrated as a church and as individual believers when we put forth even the most minuscule amount of effort and yet nothing's received back. As churches, in, in measurements of, of performance metrics, it's almost geared that way, right? our assessment surveys that we send back to the association every year, how many people are in your church? How many people are going to Sunday school? How many people have come forward? How many baptisms have you done? We've geared ourselves to major success based on things that only God can do. Now, is it a telltale of are we, are we doing our part? Perhaps. Perhaps. But we get so focused on We're talking and we're doing and we're singing and we're shouting and we're sharing and nobody's listening. The problem is we get trapped in those areas where only God has the power to move. So how do we put ourselves in a position to best do those things? Leave your finger in Acts 2, but click over to Romans for me. Go to Romans chapter 6. Of all of the lessons, when Casey and Flint and I were going through Cecil School, um, and we were going through the Adrian Rogers series, of all the lessons that stuck with me the hardest was the assertion that preachers cannot be spirit-filled preachers with sin on their heart. Can't do it. Impossible. In the same context, Christians, I believe, lack the ability to effectively communicate change in their own lives created by God with sin on their heart. Let me be more blunt. You cannot effectively evangelize with sin on your heart. Can't do it. Not going to happen. You cannot show the love that Jesus has for you if you've still buried a darkened heart within yourself. Here's an assertion from Paul, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I said it last week. You have never seen um, a fat guy effectively sell Nutrisystem. That doesn't work. A before and after photo does. But not until it's the after. (laughs) Not until the change has been made. Evangelism is no different. If we feel panicked, insecure, scared to share the gospel on an individual basis or even in a group basis, the first place we need to go look, and this is a mirrored statement. Don't think I'm pointing fingers. The first place we need to go look is within our own hearts. Nine times out of ten, for us as believers, if there's sin on our heart, we know it, we have known it, and we're just not willing to deal with it. But if we don't get rid of it, there's no after photo. And there's no effective communication that occurs there. So, in how to evangelize, step one... Recognize you've been remade in Christ Jesus. Recognize you've been transformed from someone who is a sinner into a redeemed believer and make sure that your heart is pure. History tells us, facts tell us, that even as believers, we're going to stumble. When that occurs, rinse, lather, repeat. (laughs) Okay? Um, Confess, repent, move on. That's what we have to do. Because if that sin takes root in our heart, believers or non-believers alike, hearts become hardened. And we lose that ability to show the transformational effect that can occur. Again, did you break the TVs? Again, coming to the mindset, we have to recognize that only God can change hearts. But we're a visible example of what it is that God can do. If we've taken the steps to make sure that sin doesn't reside in our hearts, we can use the New Testament as examples of how best to practically evangelize. Now, I have argued and recognized that they worked and and existed in a completely different time than what we do right now. However... When you look at a practical level of what the first church, the first group of apostles actually did, you can see the effectiveness that occurs there. Specifically, first, I'm going to Acts chapter 2 at verse 42. We're going to spend more time there than we are in anywhere else. But I want you to consider chapter 2 as an entire example of how it is that we're supposed to do Um, evangelism. The first step is to be willing to proclaim with boldness the lordship of Jesus Christ. In the beginning of verse 2, you can see... One, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of these believers to go out and to spread and to share the gospel. And then you see the boldness of Peter standing before a crowd, boldly declaring, We got it wrong. We killed our Messiah, but he died for our sins. And boldly proclaims the gospel. What was the impact of that? We've read through this how many times? What was the impact of that? 3,000 souls were added to, that, to their number that day. That occurred. God changed 3,000 hearts using Peter who was willing to boldly proclaim the gospel. Now what happened to those believers after that? And that's where I want to go with in chapter 42. Or verse 42, sorry. <clears throat> Picking up there, we see that they devoted themselves to to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 46, I believe, is one of the most important examples out of it. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There may have been 3,000 who came just simply because God used Peter in that moment to speak. But more came after that, and why? Because they saw a change in those initial 3,000 hearts. They saw a change in action and a change in activity um, and a change in a person's demeanor. Where I'm getting at, because you've heard me say it before, I have never been an advocate of soapbox street corner preaching. I've never been that guy. In today's world, you will get discredited very quickly if you're that guy. We don't listen to them. And arguably, as Christians, we turn away from people who act in that way. We live in a society today that words don't matter. Words mean nothing. There are phrases that we use as a part of our common language today that 40 years would have been highly insulting, and now they're a joke. Our language changes, molds and adopts over time. Our language changes to the point that sometimes we don't even understand what's being said in the common English language. Don't believe me? Talk to a high school (laughs) teenager. So words don't matter. Words from us as people to another person doesn't matter. Spiritually empowered words to someone who God has put in your position to hear that, that's something completely different. That's the difference between our own effort and the spiritual power of God going to work. So what it means for us in the how is we have to be present. We have to be present and visible. We don't have to be on a soapbox shouting. We don't have to be willing to stand before a crowd of people that we don't know and share our our own personal testimony like what we heard yesterday, which is effective, by the way. I'm not discounting what the preacher did yesterday. I don't believe that I would have the courage to do what he did yesterday. Not in that part. Not with my name on a ballot that goes around in this county. (laughs) That takes courage to be able to do, and nine times out of ten, I'd argue that most of us don't have the courage to do that. But we can be present. We can serve. We can meet needs. And then finally, when the question comes, why are you doing this? There's our opportunity to share. There's our opportunity to share. I believe that's more impactful than sharing our own individual stories, because most of us have pretty boring lives. And most people don't care about our individual life if they're not impacted by it. They're not interested in that. But if we're there, willing to serve, and when finally the question comes, why are you willing to do these things, maybe then there's our foothold to go in. We just have to be willing to put ourselves into that position. It doesn't require the willingness to stand up in front of a crowd and speak. It simply requires the willingness to be able to go act. It requires seeing something needs done and jumping up to go, to go do it. It's one of the things that um, my father-in-law is the best in the world at. I don't think you'll ever see a day that he's standing on this stage talking to this crowd. I just I don't imagine that for an instant. But if he's sitting in this room and sees that something's broken or something, someone makes a comment that says, hey, this needs to be repaired, he's there. He's there and on I've seen him do it, I don't know how many times. That's why he ended up on the fire department for so long, mostly for a heart to serve, carrying out on a regular basis. Is that sharing the gospel? It is if they know his faith. If they know nothing else about anybody's faith and they see him in action, is that sharing the gospel? My answer is yes. My answer is yes. We get timid as believers because we don't want to boldly proclaim in the way that we think we should be boldly proclaiming. All we have to do nine times out of ten is serve. As we get ready for this great evangelical event that's coming in October, and I'm not downplaying it. I think that there's the potential for an impact there. I'm just still leery and concerned about what happens after because I'm more afraid that we'll see Um, people coming out with tears running down their cheeks as though they've seen a sad movie and then by the next morning the world goes back to normal if there's no one there to help meet that need. I do firmly believe that if God chooses to, He can change hearts in that room that night. And I do firmly also believe that He can use each and every one of us to help that person understand why they're feeling what they're feeling if we're willing to be present. We can over dramatize and over complicate the idea of evangelism to the point that no one wants any part of it. Or we can simply explain to other believers and, more importantly, to ourselves if I'm there, I can help. But I can't if I'm not. We're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to say the right things. We're not always not likely to say something that isn't offensive to someone. We all know how easily it is to become offended. We just studied that in Sunday school. But if we're present, we've got a better opportunity to create an impact than if we're simply running our mouth. The next thing we've got to be willing to do is to listen. Anyone who ever played football on a team I coached in the Pee Wee system heard me say time and time and time again, it is physically impossible To hear what someone else is saying when you're talking at the same time teachers will tell you this is true (laughs) teachers will absolutely validate this we spend so much time preparing to talk and preparing to share that we don't hear and if we can't hear what people are telling us if we can't hear what they're going through how are we supposed to be in the right position to help them out how are we supposed to be in that position we can get so wrapped up in making sure that we're sharing the gospel that when someone reaches out for help and they're talking and we're just, you just need Jesus, you just need Jesus, you just need Jesus, you just need Jesus, finally like, I just need a ride to Hayes, Jack, come on. you know, <laughs> Listen to me. We can meet a real need if we take the time to listen and to discern what that need actually is. We cannot listen and talk at the same time. The opportunity to talk and to share will come at the time that God's appointed, not us. I'm about out of notes. So while Mitchell's queuing up this last song, we're going to be spending some time over the next several weeks not just considering evangelism, but considering whole church purpose. And I guess I'll reiterate and state this. We grow stronger as individual believers the more we invest into each other so is church for us yes but more importantly the church and its function are for those who don't know jesus who don't have the security of eternal life that each and every one of us has and if we're not willing to share that through action and yes through words then shame on us so the question becomes how do we evangelize The answer is simple. We have to be willing to step out. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what the format is. There's no cookie-cutter way to reach someone except to keep ourselves redeemed of sin, keep ourselves in a position of constantly recognizing our need for God's grace, keep sin out of our lives, and keep ourselves in a position to be used by God. That's That's the only standard answer that can apply. Because the rest of the time, the manner and the method of how someone chooses to repent and come to Christ Jesus is only by God's doing, not by ours. We just have to be willing to keep ourselves ready. So let me ask this as we do this last hymn. Spend some time, as we're singing, dwelling on our own hearts. Spend some time looking in the mirror. Are there those prideful, sinful things in life that we cling to because we're just too proud and too selfish to get rid of them? Make today the day that we finally give those up, that we finally surrender, that we finally repent, and put ourselves in a position to be fully used all of the time, not just part of the time. Second, we've got to put ourselves in a point of surrender to allow God to use us. It's one thing to try to keep our hearts pure and another to hold back when God's pushing yeah. us in one direction. There may be someone in our community that God has set up in front of you that you don't recognize either because you don't want to or because you're not paying attention. And if there's an opportunity to just truly help someone, maybe that carries more weight than running right our mouth. If you've got that or anything else on your heart today, would you come forward as we close this, as we close this service out with this next song? Thank uh. you.